Well, did you hear before about the two men that were commiserating about life at home in their marriage? And one of them, the younger of the two, said, well, I know that when we get into an argument, my wife and I, she always wants to have the very last word of that argument. And he was frustrated by that. The older, more experienced, longer married man said, well, I've got a solution for that. It's worked for me for years. Oh, really? The young husband said. Do tell. What is it that you do to get the last word? He said, no matter what the argument comes to, no matter what my wife says, I always have the last words by saying, yes, dear. A solution to arguing and to fighting in life is to concede and to say yes, dear. And I want us to hear today in this very last chapter of the book of Genesis, in this last sermon in the life of Joseph, how Joseph gives the very last word to God in the last chapter of his story. And in fact, his whole life through, he does just that. Giving the last word to God is important for us as an act of faith, as a, a method in life to not carry all the burdens of the world upon our shoulders, to not do everything ourselves, to not have to be saviors, for those around us, but simply to point the way to God and to give God the last word in all that we do. You heard the verse that I want to focus on today, and, and Mike's going to put it up there. No, next slide, there you go. Uh, Fifty twenty. Joseph is confronted with his brothers coming to him, asking and seeking forgiveness for the wrongs they've done against him because they're scared, they're afraid. And he says... Beautifully, you intended to harm me, referring to what they had done wrong. But God intended it for good. And I want us to hear today how that is God's final word, that God has greater things in store than just what we have in mind. And then the world just gives to us, or whatever may come to pass. Joseph's life was one of saying, yes, Lord, and no matter what it was, all 14 chapters, all 110 years, Joseph again and again said, God, I'm leaving it to you because you are looking out for what is good and right and better than me. Whether he succeeds or fails in his times of plenty and his times of want, no matter what circumstance he faces, he says, yes, Lord, every day is your day. Think about the things quickly in review of, of his life as we've looked at them over the summer. His brother stripping his coat away when he's a, a teenager and throwing him into a pit to be sold into slavery. And that was after they decided it was better not to murder him. And then he was taken on a slave caravan to Egypt by the Canaanites. And there he was sold to, to the household of Potiphar, a great general who who needed a servant to do menial tasks around the house. Joseph accepts that, and he takes that as the opportunity to serve and do all that he can to the best of his ability, and, and in that, he is put in greater and greater positions of, of prominence and, and influence. And all seems to be going well and smooth and in a good direction, a God direction, we would say, and then falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, 
of wrongdoing. It means years in prison for Joseph. And he's there, and while he's there, he helps where he can, and he serves God as he can. He interprets the dreams of two other prisoners, which means for them their escape or their release from prison. And they forget all about him. For a few more years, he suffers along in silence in prison until one day he's called upon by Pharaoh to come and interpret his dream. And with that comes the threat that if he gets them wrong, he will surely die as all the others who tried before him did. Joseph goes and interprets and helps to explain what is to come. And he's put in a position of great prominence and great authority and also great influence as well. His brothers show up some decades later, not knowing it was him, because they are starved to death and their children are about to die in Canaan. It's a famine, and he has food. Egypt has stored it up under his direction, and he graciously gives to them what it is that they and his father and his household needs to survive. Oh, whatever you did, Joseph said, to harm me and to hurt me. God did it for good. You did this, but God is using it for something greater. Think about with me today about the last word of God in all of our lives. Uh, whenever we have dreams and they're dashed, whenever we have detours in life and unexpected speed bumps and tragedies and difficulties, we have a great destiny that lies before us if we will walk the walk of faith that Joseph has given us the example for. It's uh, easy to get caught up in the bitterness of life, isn't it? And it's easy to, well, blame God for what it is that challenges us, what doesn't go our way. There's plenty of blame to go around, and we can become victims and have pity parties and just live at the very frozenness of, of life that is too difficult for us to bear. But I is a phrase that we hear again and again throughout the scriptures where God says, I have the final and the last word. And Joseph recognized that. That little phrase, but I, occurs again and again throughout the scriptures uh, a lot of times. Forty-three times it appears in scripture where God says that I'm going to do something greater than you can do, and by faith, God proves that to be the case. When God said to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and this is a few hundred years later after Joseph, to deliver my people out of slavery, Moses said what? But I am short of tongue and unable to speak influentially. And God said, I will enable you to do what it is that you need to do. God said to Gideon, I want you to go and deliver my people from the Midianites. And he said, what? But I'm, I'm the least among my people and among my family. And God said, um, go, and I will enable you. Throughout the scriptures, throughout the story of God's people in the Old Testament, even into the New when Peter cast his nets on the side of the boat at Jesus' instructions and does it reluctantly because he says, but I have 
fished all night long. Jesus fills his nets miraculously and wows and amazes him because God can do things greater than we can. All the but eyes that we can throw out there, God says, but God, throughout the Bible. When the, the world says that we are faced with dead ends, God says, like he did to Moses, standing with the Red Sea before him and the chariots of Pharaoh behind him, stand firm and see the deliveries that I show you of my people. And when the world tells us that all things are possible, the word says to us, with God all things are possible. When the world says there's no way, no way for you in this situation, in this day, in what it is that you're faced with, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life for those who come after me. So, short and sweet of it all, do we have the faith to believe that God will do great things with us even when we cannot do them ourselves? Again and again, we are humbled by that if we have faith. Did you hear the, the scripture passage from the New Testament that was read? Debbie read for us from 1 Corinthians. Paul's writing to the churches in Corinth. That's a very influential uh, trade area in biblical times. And great influence they had, lots of money flowing through there. Everyone that worked there and lived there became very wealthy over time because of the way the Romans used that place as a market of the transforming and changing hands of goods from around the world. And Paul writes to the, the merchants, the people in the churches there that have become followers of Christ, and, and I love how he really reminds them of their humble beginnings and reminds us of our humble beginnings. Think of what you were when you followed Christ for the first time, he says, as he writes to them. Uh, you were not, many of you, wise by human standards, many not influential, many of not noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. But God, he says, chose the weak things of the world to shame those that are strong, but God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast except for him. You hear throughout our faith, and throughout our faith story of the Bible, every time we are challenged and God's people face difficulty, we're reminded that but God is in control if we have the faith to follow and to trust. Well, a few things about this scripture that challenge us in that regard, at least they do me. And one of those is this factor of forgiveness that looms so large. The factor of forgiveness, which Joseph exercises and shows to his brothers that, that did him wrong so long ago, so long ago. An interesting piece about this scripture is, and, and this particular chapter of Genesis is that his brothers, after his father is dead and buried, don't go to Joseph to ask forgiveness for their wrongs of the past, but instead they send a message to him in the name of their father as if their father had 
written a directive. The fascinating part about that is the couple of chapters before that we talked about a few weeks back is that, that Joseph and all of his brothers were just with their father not long before he died. Would he not certainly have given that directive to Joseph then and there? We're left to think that his brothers in their buffoonery are again scheming to try to get Joseph's favor because they're afraid of what he might do to them. How would you feel if someone that, that had done you wrong tried to do you again in order to trick you into giving them a second chance? I think I would be all the more enraged. And yet Joseph is able to show the face of grace to his brothers to see past what it is that they're trying to do and to forgive them anyway, even though they don't deserve it, and even in the face of what they are trying to do now. That's a forgiving spirit, folks. To be able to forgive someone for the past and to forgive them in the moment is a very difficult and unhuman thing for us to do. But God, but God enables us to show forgiveness and exercise grace and to give second chances when, when people don't deserve them. And he reminds the churches in Corinth, the people there, and, and us today in the church, that we have been forgiven and given the gift of grace by God. Shouldn't we enact that and offer that to those who in the world need it, who are in our influence? Forgiveness is one of those most challenging things in life, especially when you have to wait so long for that to come about. Do you feel the appeal and the, the anxiety of Joseph's brothers doing all that they can to make sure that now their powerful brother in Egypt will not lower the boom on them as they so deserve? A long time coming, <clears throat> it was, and vengeful it could have been. And yet there's a sweetness about it for Joseph that his brothers would come to him and ask his forgiveness and a graceful thing that he would forgive. All the more, Joseph, you can tell, longed to be back in connection. And in relationship with his brothers, especially now that his father had died, he longed for the intimacy, the friendship, the love that family ought to be to one another. And he knew that he needed to forgive, as was being requested in order for that relationship to be restored. Where is it in your life that you need to forgive someone today? And it could be for something they did this past week. Or it could be something that needed, needs forgiving from, from years ago. Could it be something from even your early years in life that you need to let go of and unload the anxiety and the, the pain and the weight of everything that that means for you so that you can be set free and walk in the light and in the life of God in Jesus Christ. It takes faith to do that, and it simply begins with a prayer and an acknowledgement of how we have been hurt by the forgiveness we failed to give or been unwilling or unable to give at this point in life and asking God to help us. 
Every day was a faith day for Joseph. When he gave to him the last word and offered him his heart and life, God did great things with that. God transformed him from a young boy into a man that was old and wise and a change agent in the world for the good of God. He knew he was living into and fulfilling this this promised destiny that God gave, not to him, but to him eventually through his grandfather, Abraham, and Isaac and Jacob, the God of his fathers, who said, not only will you be a great nation and be numerous in numbers, but you will be a light unto the world. We have the opportunity to shine the light of God, the light of Jesus Christ, in to other people's lives and in all that we do. If we could just get rid of those but I statements and remember that but God can do greater things through us than we can ever do ourselves. I've loved um, reading through and studying through and preaching through the story of Joseph. I hope that you have found inspiration and seen him pointing us in the direction of the one who would come some hundreds of years later to give to us the gift of life in a way that no one ever had before. He was God in the flesh, God's Son, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who showed us above all things that even in the light of the, the worst possible scenario of death and life, that God can bring something good and powerful and positive out of that through resurrection. So let's pray together and ask God for faith such as that. Lord, help us not to lose sight of the dreams that you have placed in our lives, the hope of great destiny and of your promises fulfilled in us and through us and among us here in the church. God, help us when we are faced with detours and and challenges in life to, to always remember that you have the final word and the final say in all matters, though we may not be able to see it at the time. Give us the faith to believe, even when we cannot see. And let us remember that you are the God above all gods and the Lord over all things, even creation itself. God, thank you for your gift of grace in our lives, for offering us forgiveness, though we do not deserve it. God, use us in ways to show forgiveness and grace to others in our lives and do that by doing a new work and a new thing within us by your Holy Spirit. In all these things, we we thank you and we acknowledge you as the Lord and the Savior of life and the giver of it too. For it's in Jesus' name, amen.